What up? This is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. Once again, this is V, aka. Yeah, you don't even need to know all that. You just follow me on Instagram. You can find me at Lotus V Word. <laughs> you can also find me on Amazon.com. You can find me on Discord, Twitter. Shouts out to whatever it is that's going on that platform. If you've been watching it, it's the best entertainment I've ever seen in life of a real-time company. And, um, yeah, that's just not even speaking on, you know, current events. That's some historic stuff right now. But anyway, shouts out to all the podcasters. Shouts out to L.A. Shouts out to the podcasters in L.A. and videocasters and TikTokers and everybody else who people kind of slam, but they low-key always be up on their business and their pages and leaving comments and whatnot. That's the one thing in this world that I often find that is the funniest thing ever is when someone has the most to say about something but has the audacity and the time to leave a comment in somebody's section. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh. This, why, why were you even watching the video? Why were you, you know, paying attention to said things? And... Uh, it's a thing of this current generation of having these roles, which not have been reversed, but more or less have been not nuanced, but actually created uh, an own niche for each and every person's reactions uh, to certain things. It's a, there's a thing where, you know, a current artist has to take a step back and look at you know the surroundings and everything that's happening at once it's almost like a big bang theory of how do you perceive things and uh, the perception is something that i or has a constant running theme in all of my stories it may seem like the most ridiculous of you know words placed together and to confuse some and bemuse someone but I often say that when someone is told something, they will still come up with their own analogy of what it is that you said, regardless if you just told them. So I always let someone get their own perception of my work. And it is in the instance of almost being like visual or words um, that are abstract because it takes your mind on a journey. And purposefully so, I don't explain certain things also because everyone has this in this instance of life where they know everything. <laughs> I, I, I think I have like over five podcasts just talking about that subject alone, but it just, it's not a frustration. It is something that I find as a constant theme once again in life. And it's infinite amount of mysteries when someone feels that they know something. Even myself, I often feel as if I know this thing and the next thing, and that not is necessarily not the case. And so even if, you know, I explain something to, you know, all these, you know, individuals, or I explain every word and how the colors were and what this character did and how they did this, the instance of where the imagination ends and begins cannot be gauged by me, you know, I'm saying by giving a poll you know, from each person that listens to my work and ask them what they think. I'd rather not 
you know, not out of uh, hubris, but more or less out of respect for the people that I give my work to. And obviously that is you, the listener, and many other people who vibe with my work. It's a wonderful thing that I do and develop. I, I can't really go into words because it, the words don't suffice when you try to express certain things. So with that careful consideration, I always consider just this point in analysis of the creative aspect and what I do and what I bring uh, to, you know, my peers. And I'm always mindful of that. And just shouts out to anyone who is a creative. This podcast does also double as a writer's room. People, understandably so, as the concept goes, the things that I bring are things that I'm working on collectively in my story. It's a never-ending story purposefully so, so that it continues almost in an anthology-like fashion, and so that it's quite current, and that I can have different concepts, and, you know, obviously have a copy written, but then, too, I published the stories, and you can go through the podcast, and you can see how I've worked uh, just from 2020 until 2022, and then I had, what is this, the fifth book uh, that I'm working on now, but I finished the fourth book, and you can hear the processing and how, you know, my mind was working and creating these concepts and going through and how the inspiration really, truly uh, influences my work. I am an avid fan of many different projects that have been dropped continuously for years. Um, I don't go into each and every one of them just because they are so important uh, to our culture, pop culture, uh, indefinitely. But the ones that don't get so much shine or things that have come through, what is this, the, the churning of pop culture or, you know, the most popular things that people look in and as films, I, I look into them uh, from a different aspect at a different time uh, so that I can get a different level of appreciation for each and every one of them. For example, I mentioned, uh, what is this, Humphrey Bogart the other day. Now, Humphrey Bogart's swag, and for anyone who doesn't know of him, uh, particularly I was speaking with someone the other day who didn't know about him, he's a really cool dude. Really honestly and, and fortuitously, not to placate into uh, past hype or things that, you know, I haven't done or researched myself. I've actually watched a few films of, of his or films of his, and they're actually really good. And, and uh, it's something to break down. You can look into it. Uh, honestly, you can watch television or just look into uh, Turner Classic Movies. Shouts out to TCM, whatever network they're with. Uh, basically, I believe they're like an archival uh, institute or something involved with the historic uh, film industry and they keep all the records of all of these different studio houses and things released from the library of whatever they're in. And they always come with like some correct, super legit, I mean just like official analysis of whatever it is that they are showcasing. And I mean like it's not just your proverbial thing you can get on IMDB or something you can read on Wikipedia. 
it's actually something that people and they make these weird analogies as to how um, the film came about or how you know the writer knew the producer and the producer did this and he flew planes and did this and like <laughs> it's weird and how all of them have these inner workings into how a film uh, transpired or came to be and it's really really I mean if anybody's interested in how you know your favorite films came about definitely check out TCM I'm pretty sure they even have a podcast NPR or whatever but that's one of the beginning stages of you know saying the research into the things that I love this was probably I don't even know I, I want to say like 10 years ago seven years ago and for me I went in the personal journey of even looking into it and watching this channel and them you know inundatedly telling me what it was that they love and then I find myself loving uh, these films after seeing them uh, not even <laughs> nonsensically knowing that I did uh, like a certain genre of film and I already knew that it's just certain things that I mean it's so vast it, it's literally going through a record store of all of these different accounts and perspectives that people have done I mean within the last decade alone <laughs> It takes uh, some time to go through all of these films and then collectively go back and then reiterate what it is that you feel like it actually, you know, you liked versus listening to someone else's opinion um, being, you know, inundated over a three hour to two or an hour and a half period of just action sequences and then following a chase scene and then that was the story. It, it really... Uh, creates a, a spectrum of you know artistic film uh, action film and it kind of like sets a genre for each and every you know perspective and what people have a tolerance for sitting for and you know a, a careful mixture or this melody that people create of a, a tapestry or a storyboard or, or a mixture of drama and action and story and development uh, really I guess you could see uh, has developed from decades decades on you, you could look from what the beginning of film from the 1900s to the 1920s and which you get the speakies which are really really cool you get obviously Charlie Chaplin uh, the other gentlemen <laughs> really um, uh, a different type of way of storytelling but a, a more action, you know, a silent type of um, really dramatic type of acting. And it really it got into the storyboarding aspect and really got into the basics. And you look into Fritz Lang and or I believe that is his name or something like this, where he had his storytelling and, and getting the visual effects and going behind the scenes and how uh, certain things uh, appear. Um, if you play with the perspectives, if you are sitting there and trust me, I kid you not, I am not a film buff. Like, <laughs> give me a, a, a grade of one to ten. I swear for everything I love, I will try to score like a strong seven as far as like understanding the, the, the film industry and understanding how, you know, a gaffer or, you know, what I'm saying the sound boom guy you know, mixed in with the AD or the uh, assistant director or the director, 
are trying to based off of what the producers notes have been left or what they have as the vision of the film like <laughs> like not including everybody else on set like these are things that as an observer and as a careful you know appreciator of something um to read the credits after a film is something that you know i had to learn to do and and not just you know skip over some things so that you can find a reference to someone else or the writer for instance and that is what uh, i consider uh, one of the coolest gigs that you can have is writing and then you know incorporating it and sharing that with someone say everything I said five times fast, but hopefully, and I understandably so, knows that this makes sense. So how I tie it into my own, for instance, is the Humphrey Bogart-like character. Um, he's all the way developed from like the 1930s. And you can find this on Wikipedia, obviously, and I'll not try not to butcher his history, but he definitely started with what do you call this, the Warner Brothers. And he was so, I know, all up in uh, different production houses, doing different things um, from, you know, different eras. And his depictions of where he was uh, was certainly and undoubtedly in an urban environment. Um, in many instances later on in his career, I believe, like in the 50s and whatnot, before he passed away, had like Key Largo and a couple other different films but initially he started out as one of those like gangster types um james cagney uh type you know typecasted type of character which was cool <laughs> like uh, humphrey bogart is definitely and undoubtedly you know what i'm saying the the hat wearing gentleman who if you look at his film i mean i try not to tell people to watch like short clips and watch like the full films of someone's so that you get a better frame of reference of their characters and how fast they talk and how they come off versus just seeing them in an instance and you only get like that 30 second to two minute clip like it, it, there's so much more in depth into how a character expresses themselves given um, the direction and the freedom that you know the director gives them anywho uh fast forward to the the area where I kind of concentrate or, or very uh, much am a fan of Humphrey Bogart is his, you know, uh, detective and sleuth type phase. And uh, he's a private detective. And those type films kind of catch my eye because that was kind of like a niche of uh, film uh, that was dropping at the time and people were very, very interested in. As far as like whodunits and all these other different types of books, I'm pretty sure uh, were the influencing uh, factor into why these things were so popular and people wanted to go uh, see them in the films. So he obviously fell right in. <laughs> you got film noir, which is, uh, you know, a smoky, uh, a black and white, you know, a gray type of brisk uh, story. You can feel it as you read your newspaper. You can see a clip. You know what I'm saying? If you take a photo uh, or a snapshot of one of the photos uh, that happened in the film, it, it can easily be correlated to, you know, a newspaper type. It, it felt as if that type of air. But the films also had diversity. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just a whodunit and 
this, it was a quite complicated uh, scenario and not every film was the same. Undoubtedly, you definitely didn't catch the same dialogue in each film either. Uh, definitely, you had, you know, different characters interjecting their own, what do you call this, uh, quips, uh, fast things that only can be associated with wit. And so from there, I, I end and say that I have this character um, that I was talking about in the last one that is a part of the agency um, that gets people out of, you know, contracts that are, you know, feasible <laughs> under the circumstances of, you know, where they are in Celestial. And so I, I wanted to craft him looking like Humphrey Bogart, clean shaven, you know, like chiseled face and features, you know, a, a, a frown brow and, or whatever. And, you know, not a normal hat, like, you know what I'm saying, something futuristic where it's got like a little twist on it or something and it got like a little light. And uh, he looks bugged out, but <laughs> he always comes quick with it because everybody always has something to say. And I, I believe that's where I'll tie in the comedy for uh, how he progresses it and talks to people. So that's just one. Uh, this is V, a.k.a. Vernon English. I'll post this up. Uh, keep hitting the subscribe button. I appreciate you guys. And uh, thank you guys to the new listeners. I appreciate that too. Shoot. Peace, peace.